it, it's it's interesting what we recommend on this show sometimes not always movies not always mm-hmm. movies sometimes we give you stuff for your life mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh i have movies though um <laughs> welcome to Recotopia. A happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Now look here, Frank. It's, it's Frank, right? Yeah. Frank. What the hell are you? You ain't got over there right now. They call me. Hey, man. Damn it. What the hell is wrong with you, man? Don't you ever grab me when I got a gun in my hand. Shit. You got blood on my coat, easy. It's a damn expensive coat. Hello, everybody. Hey. It is Recotopia episode 53. 53. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Today's big recommend is going to be Devil in a Blue Dress. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, I would like to welcome chat here. People who are on Twitch and YouTube watching us live on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for coming out and uh, watching us. Uh, how are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing just well. Just very swell and well. Mm-hmm. 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 well you? yes yeah i'm doing well as well yes well is right yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of wells and swells in there yeah we are doing well um do you have any small recommends it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee. i do but none of them are movies none of my smalls are movies today uh uh-huh. i bought an okay let me step back Two years ago, I read about a new kind of shoe that Nike was going to make, and mm-hmm. I was quite intrigued with it um, <clears throat> because I have sneakers that I wear when I leave the house, and then I have these like slip-on glorified slippers that have a sole when I'm in the house, but they don't offer a lot of support. These shoes promised to bridge the gap between those, those two and be both in one it was called the Nike Go Fly Ease, and they weren't on sale for the longest time. I couldn't find them. Hey, he found a picture, and then <laughs> that's actually the ones I bought. Um, oh, nice! So basically, the gist is this: um, you are able to let me back up. You step hmm. your foot in here, and as your foot heel pushes down, the shoe closes up into a complete shoe. And then hmm. when you're ready to get out, you use your other foot to step on this back thing. Oh. And it just sits there oh. on the floor like that, waiting for me to step into it. Now, I've been wearing them. Um, I have two pair. I've been wearing them for almost three or four months now. Uh, and I've waited to make a recommendation. I thought they were cool immediately. Um, mm-hmm. But I was not sure how much support they were going to give me, how they would hold up if it was like raining. Um, <clears throat> and if it's raining, I try to take these off because they are kind of meshy. Uh, and you can get a little bit of water in there if you're not mm. careful. But in general, if it has rained, no big deal. They got traction, gives me arch support, gives me ankle support. Uh, but I can slip them on and off as though they were a slipper. Um, nice. And uh, I, I really like them. And I hope this action of whatever this material is that they've made, I hope this action of doing this over time doesn't eventually break the shoe in half. 
Mm. Uh, but over three or four months, it has not happened yet. Uh, and yes, I am living in the year 3023. Uh, yeah. Jagged said on the chat. Um, there, mm -hmm. you can find them anywhere. They're not cheap. Anywhere from seventy dollars to one hundred and forty dollars, depending on who's selling <laughs> of them. Of course, they're Nike. Has it in stock? Um, <laughs> I get the sense they didn't make a whole bunch of them to begin with, uh, and that's mm -hmm. why I couldn't find them for the first couple of years. Um, but found them a few months ago. No regrets. <clears throat> All right. Well, hmm. I am in the market for a shoe, so I may take a look at these and see. There you go. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, that's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting what we recommend on this show. Sometimes not always movies, not mm -hmm. always movies. Sometimes we give you stuff for your life. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I have movies though. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to catch up on all the, uh, the, uh, Oscar nominated movies and everything. So one of the ones that I saw is on Apple TV. It's called Causeway. Mm. Um, uh, this one stars Jennifer Lawrence, uh, as, uh, a veteran of Afghanistan who comes, who at the very beginning of the movie is, uh, going through a lot of physical therapy and things like that. And we know that there's a, it was a huge, uh, there was a huge, uh, like war zone that she got into while driving a truck and, and it, uh, caused multiple injuries, including potentially PTSD and things like that. Mm. Um, and she's trying to reacclimate herself into, uh, everyday life. And, uh, she has a pretty quick PT, it, uh, you know, I don't know how long the movie is saying it, it lasted, but it seems like pretty quick. Like she's not all the way there. And even when she's driving, there's some, there's some definitely some psychological aspects still lingering there because she's, cause that's what happened. What, you know, what happened to her was while she was driving a big truck. Okay. Um, so, so she still has these, these issues, uh, that are still lingering, but she gets, uh, she goes back to her hometown to live with her mom and she's trying to get back on her feet, like try to get a job and try to sort of just get back into society. But very first day, she's like the mom, her mom, like lets her borrow a truck to drive around. And of course, like immediately she gets into an is issue where there's like a PTSD sort of thing happens to her and, and she, uh, nearly wrecks the truck and it causes a lot of problems and she has to go fix it. Um, and she goes to fix it at this, uh, auto shop where Brian Tyree Henry plays the main shop owner guy. He is the one who's nominated for an Oscar in this movie. Hmm. Um, uh, a uh, guy who's done a lot of great work in the last five years. It's like amazing how much seriously has been in. Uh, but uh, Brian Tyree here, Henry is the Oscar nominated actor in this and he's phenomenal. And, and I, I, and I, I would, I would, I mean, just for performances, I don't know if this movie is great, but Jennifer Lawrence is, it, it seems like she's so relaxed. Like she's come back to, I don't know, maybe she's gotten some sort of Zen, in the last few years mm -hmm. and and even though she's playing a, a character that's got a lot of tough stuff going on with her she seems very relaxed in this role brian tyree henry um uh is is great as well they bond over a common thing he was in a he, he was in a horrendous wreck mm -hmm. with his sister and and uh um her son his nephew and he has, he lost a leg because of this. And so they both have this shared 
trauma uh going on and they just go around uh hanging out and and she reveals that she prefers women to him and he's fine with that but there's this sort of this like almost romantic kind of thing going on with their friendship and it's hard to really know what's going like where it's leading where it's going uh i will leave it right there um but causeway is uh is actually pretty good i would i would recommend it on the performances alone so excellent um, i was curious about this is this do you already say this is this an apple tv movie yeah it's apple yeah. tv <clears throat> All right. mm -hmm. i have yep. that i uh i will now it was on the radar now it goes on the list um mm -hmm. <clears throat> carry a lot of weight with me i don't think you realize <laughs> um, <clears throat> um the second small recommend is also not a movie i've been uh exploring more and more of instagram um mm -hmm. and i'm a much more passive uh, consumer type of instagram user where i mostly just scroll and watch videos of cute cats and nature mm -hmm. crazy russians with bears and shit like that um <clears throat> i don't post maybe every two or three days i'll post a picture of one of my cats that's essentially all i've done from the from the content creating perspective but i found an account that makes me laugh every single day uh, so if you're on Instagram or want to check it out, um, I don't know the status of whether to let you view if you're not a user anymore, but it's called I'm Seth Drums. There's no apostrophe. Uh, <laughs> a picture of him. I love it. So somebody, I have not researched, somebody in this guy's life, this guy's a really good drummer. Somebody puts together these mashups. The mashups are usually incredible in their own right. And then he has to drum along to them. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes there's some weird tempos to figure out, but usually the whole point is just watching him react to the mashup that he's been given. So just a few that I've seen. Um, <clears throat> Goofy, as in, you know, Mickey Mouse Goofy, sings Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. So he's supposed to listen to this and try and keep a straight face and drum. Uh, and he almost always breaks. Uh, which almost always makes you laugh. So <clears throat> the one that I like the most, um, <clears throat> I just clicked the link to open. I want to get it right. It's Africa, but it's all-star, but it's Wonderwall. And so <laughs> it starts out with like, dun, 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 and he's drumming. And it's like, hey, now you're an all-star because it's in the same <laughs> tempo. And he goes, oh, God, could it get any worse? Um, and then <laughs> it turns into Wonderwall, and he legitimately gets amazed that this mashes up so well. He stops drumming and just his eyes get wide and he's like, what? Mm. I laugh every single time. This guy posts very regularly. Um, mm -hmm. So there you go. It's I'm Seth drums uh, all run together. And uh, that's a really <laughs> good time. <clears throat> I, I need to check this out for sure. That would be fun. Yeah. It's very um, funny. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. My, uh, my next small recommend is a movie that I know you have seen. I don't know if you recommended it on here and I don't know if you were even in the position to recommend it, but mm. I did quite enjoy triangle of sadness. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I, before I even saw this movie, I remember there being a, a conversation between you and some others and like talking about how the ending was stupid in this movie and all that. Yeah. Uh, so I was interested to see where, where this ending was going. I don't know if I have the same opinion of that ending as you do, but I can see <laughs> where you would get that. Um, uh, this movie, uh, I, it goes into 
what is a like a huge theme of this past year where mm. uh where you have rich people acting badly or acting in a way that's less than caring about other people and whatever so you have like glass onion and white lotus and you know there's all these movies that have come out in the past uh, past uh, you know past season but uh past year um but uh it uh it's about it starts off like it, you would ne- you will never know where this movie is going by where it starts because no. it's a it's a it starts off with a bunch of male models and they're all like you know they're all shirtless and they're all like like hanging out about to do some show or about to try out for something i can't even remember if they're i think it's that they're doing a show i think it's a photo um, shoot <clears throat> it's a photo shoot yeah and uh and so like the, you know, the, the, the photographer is like going around asking them questions and then taking, take, taking pictures. And there's like that one thing where it was like, now you're wearing, you're wearing this brand or whatever. And everybody's like, got the, got the sullen look. Now you're wearing this brand and everybody beams up and gets excited. Um, so we, we follow this one male model and he's dating this other, like uh gorgeous, you know, influencer model of some sort uh uh uh, played by charles b dean and uh there's a there's a disconnect between them there's it doesn't seem like they really love each other that much they're in a they're in a restaurant they get in an argument about the fact that she doesn't take the bill even though she gets way more money than he does and everything and his argument is that you told me last time that you would get the meal and now we've arrived here and she's like completely forgotten or is pretended to forget that she was going to do that and basically makes him do it. And then like, then, then she thinks it's about money and it's not about money. It's more about the fact that he, she said she'd do this and she doesn't, but she keeps making it about the money. And so they go back and forth on this talking over each other, basically about, you know, some, some nonsense, uh, by the end of it, they have an arrangement and agreement. Basically they're like, yeah, you know what? We're just kind of dating each other for the clout and (laughs) we're not really in love with each other, but, the guy's like, I'm going to make you fall in love with me. I'm going to be a challenge. I bet I will make you fall in love with me by the end of this. Now he takes her on this cruise and this is the middle part of the movie. The movie is uh, separated into three parts Mm. and this is where they get on this cruise and they're all these like ridiculously wealthy people. And, and uh, some of them, if not all of them, I didn't catch every, every single person's, uh, uh, how they earned their millions or whatever but um but one of them at least uh, uh got super rich by just selling like war items grenades and things grenades. like that and they and they 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 frame it as keeping the peace uh and and so we know that this cruise ship is is going to have some major problems right off the bat because when when the the person in charge of all the employees is going in and and is like we're going to do everything that our customers want no matter what no matter how impossible we're going to make it happen which basically is a is a catch 22 you can't mm-hmm. possibly have rules on a ship and also allow for other things that your rich clients might want and we start seeing some some real like slowly like whoa there's some 
there's some really horrible kind of things about that could happen because of this. Like it just starts off small. This one, this one, uh, worker comes by a, a hot tub and, uh, and the old lady that's in it was like, come into the hot tub. And she's like, well, I'm not allowed to be in the hot tub, but at the same time she was told anything that these, yeah. <laughs> anything that these people want. And, and she keeps going this back and forth, like, yes, no, yes, <laughs> no. And then, uh, then some, then uh, either the same one or another rich client wants, uh, everybody to jump into the water, including the people in the kitchen staff. Uh, and the, and the, the head chef is like, well, the food's not going to be very good if we do this and, <laughs> but okay. And so they allows all of his kitchen staff to go off and jump into the water and everything because this delights the rich people. And, and, uh, and then they, they start talking about, they go to Woody, Woody Harrelson's the only like real name actor in this whole movie. He's the captain and you know, things are really bad because he is drinking constantly <laughs> he's behind he's behind a closed door for the most part of this trip drinking heavily and and uh and the the ship gets on rocky seas and you start seeing a dinner where like tables are moving across the the table the the, the floor and like there and people are eating food that the chef we were told the chef said was not going to be very good because of the things they had to go do we know this is going to turn into a, a terrible disaster on like so many levels. There's even a part in here where one of the, one of the uh, people on the boat tells Woody Harrelson that the sails are dirty. And he says, this is a motorized vehicle. We don't have sails. And she goes, no, uh, the sails are definitely dirty. And I've gone around and talked to my friends and they all agree that the sails are dirty too. And he says something to the effect of like, well, we'll get right on it or whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, but we, 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 we see this heading for a tremendous disaster. And at that point, I don't know if I want to tell you anymore because there's a lot of stuff still left in this movie. Once that, once you realize this ship is headed for that disaster and everything. <clears throat> and I am, because I love this type of stuff, I'm going to end up watching this movie several times. Mm. I, I know in my mm. life, because there's a lot of like connections and parallels and things like that, that I like to, that I haven't fully connected after one viewing. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm really excited to like revisit it and study it. Cause I think it's that kind of a movie. This has been nominated for best picture. Uh, so this is the reason why I ended up watching this one. Uh, actually I thought I was way behind on best picture nominees, but I have one more to go and that's all quiet on the Western front. So I haven't seen that um, either. So I got to watch that, but, uh, I highly recommend triangle sadness. I, um, first of all, there is a, a very average reality show on Bravo called below deck. And it's about, mm -hmm. uh, these big yachts and the crew that work them. And every episode, there's a new guest package. And sometimes it's relatively marginally famous people. Usually it's just really rich and obtuse people. And they do make the staff do a lot of shit. Like, get in the water with us, play with us. And, like, the last one I watched the other day, they two or three of the deckhands were doing a Playboy strip dance for one of the guests. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really, I would think, demeaning, although the people on the show seem to enjoy 
uh, mm-hmm. the yacht life. But uh, I, I enjoyed the ride of Triangle of Sadness. I really did. Um, mm-hmm. I don't hate the ending. I just don't understand it. Um, and we make a lot of jokes in Sin's videos about puking in movies. If that's a real trigger for you, you need to know why the bit movie may not be for you. Mm-hmm. Now, but, uh, Dave... Dave says I'm burying the lead because the third leg of the triangle of the movie uh, is where the real meat is. That's correct. But I do mm-hmm. not want to spoil where this movie is going in its third leg, because then you just, <laughs> then I just tell you the whole movie at that point. And I, <sighs> I'd rather not, but yes, the third leg of this movie is where a lot of the real like message of this movie is, I would say. Um, yes. Uh, so uh but yeah and that's why it's kind of it's kind of fun to dissect that ending i sometimes wonder you know when when (laughs) when these filmmakers are making movies they're like i want to end this as ambiguously as possible let's just say like let's let's cut to a character and then have him do something and like not not see the resolution of it and go to credits <laughs> you know so <laughs> so you so you have to do this thing where it's like i wonder what he was doing uh, well i have my ideas of what he's doing but i don't know for a fact yeah so you know yeah. so anyway uh i highly recommend this movie uh and yes other people mentioned the menu was another one of those that uh, was the eat the rich uh theme that was uh, that was going on this year so mm-hmm. uh anyway that is uh that's it for the small recommends small small <clears throat> And today we're going to go into the big recommend. Actually, we always go. I said today. I said today like we never go to the big recommend. But uh, uh, I I mean, now we're going to the big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Um, The big recommend is Devil in a Blue Dress. 1995 film directed by Carl Franklin, starring Denzel Washington, Don Cheadle, Jennifer Beals, Tom Sizemore, a handful of other character actors that you may recognize, especially back in this time. This is a complex uh, little, um, uh, it's a detective story without the detective, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, basically. And I'm going to try my best to to talk about the plot of this movie and i might have to jump around a little bit but uh denzel washington denzel washington plays easy rollins and we're we're told from the very beginning that people from texas and uh, and maybe oklahoma are moving to california to get into airline jobs and other little things like that that's that they're come calling in california and he has just been fired from an airline job, uh, but because of some uh, what sounds like some uh, not very equal bullshit, uh, mm-hmm. like he he apparently left early during a double shift or something like that, and that's the reason why they're getting rid of him. Um, and so he is looking for money. He's got a house to pay for, so he he still needs he needs a, he needs money. And he tells you right off the beginning that's his sort of his motivation through all this. He loves coming back to his house and mm-hmm. saying, "This is my house, and this is this is what I own," and and everything. So uh, he uh, he's at a bar uh, that's uh, owned by this guy named Joppy, uh, and Joppy has knows somebody who can help him out with money, and it's uh, Tom Sizemore playing this guy Dewitt. Uh, what's his Dewitt? What is his last name? Uh, Albright. Um, Albright. Dewitt Albright. 
Um, Tom Sizemore is looking for, uh, is, is tells him that he's looking for, you know, on behalf of this mayoral candidate, he's looking for his girlfriend and, uh, he'll pay him, uh, X amount of dollars to, uh, to, to find her. Uh, he tells easy that, uh, she frequents these illegal clubs and that because he's white, he can't go to the club. So it's a mostly black club. Um, if not all, in fact, I think it is all because there's one guy we see getting kicked out and he's white right off the bat in the, in the, when he, when easy does go over to this bar. So he goes over to this bar and, uh, he finds out that one of his buddy's girlfriends named Coretta knows Daphne. This is who, uh, Jennifer Beals is Jennifer Beals plays Daphne Coretta, uh, knows her, uh, and, uh, but she won't, she doesn't, doesn't tell easy anything like, you know, right off the bat and, uh, kind of wants something from him. We don't know exactly <laughs> what. Until we, find out. we find out pretty pretty quickly that uh she she wants she wants the d mm -hmm. the denzel the yes. denzel she wants the denzel That's what he and meant. uh and uh and so he they they he and the, and the, they they get uh her uh boyfriend gets super sloppy drunk and they take him home and he's passed out and while he's passed out they go have sex in the other room and uh i love the line i said this in the small recommend that i had of this a few months ago or whatever where she's like you're hitting my spot you're hitting my spot and uh and he goes i went on hitting her spot till morning <laughs> <laughs> uh she tells him that uh, daphne is involved with this gangster named frank green we don't know what frank green has to do with anything at this point uh, but he's finally got some information that he can give to Tom Sizemore. And, uh, and so that's what he, they, uh, he, they, he ends up telling Tom Sizemore about Frank green and that's all he knows, but he's given more money to go find more information about Daphne. We also have some LAPD detectives that are thrown into the story who have to, who, who, um, surprise surprise have news that coretta has been killed coretta mm. was murdered this is just a day a morning after he's just had sex with her all night um this is uh this is quite the news right um and uh th so they brought him in on suspicion of murder uh they they beat him up and all sorts of stuff and then he he says i'll find you know i'll i'll find out who did this whatever he gets out of there and then we start getting like into all sorts of other characters in here. There's another mayoral candidate, mm. uh, who picks him up and, uh, and says that, um, and says that I'm looking for, I'm also looking for Daphne for whatever reason. Don't know what, uh, he, uh, easy. Doesn't tell him much. We see a kid in the back seat of the car. Who's he says is, is his adopted son. And then this is going to be, really bad later when we find out what's really going on there but mm -hmm. um uh but we know that this other mayoral candidate wants to know where daphne is um so uh so so now we've got a lot of interested parties in this and so what <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm gonna go a little bit all, all, uh, all over the place here so um so 
Daphne, Daphne ends up calling easy and saying, I want you to meet me at this hotel. They go and talk for a bit. She says, I need to go to this dude, this dude, uh, McGee's house. And McGee is the guy we saw getting kicked out early on in the club. He got mm -hmm. kicked out. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what McGee is all about because <laughs> this is, that's how the sprawling, the story is. Yeah. McGee, McGee has incriminating photos of the mayor who, the mayoral candidate who just talked to, uh, to easy in the car. Um, and the incriminating photo photos are him with naked children. Um, and, and, uh, so they, so there was a, there was supposed to be a deal where Daphne bought the pictures off of him. And Daphne thinks that these pictures are going to help her out later. And we don't know why yet, but they, but she, she thinks these pictures are going to help her out. Tom Sizemore found out about this dude and he's the one who ends up killing this McGee guy. And so when Denzel and, and Jennifer Beale show up to this guy's house, he's dead. We don't know why he's dead, but that's the reason why Tom Sizemore killed him over these photos. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but he doesn't have the photos. So, uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on here with like, just a lot of interested parties going on eventually and eventually easy goes to talk to another mayoral candidate. And this is the guy that he thinks Tom Sizemore is working with. Mm. And he says, Oh, I went up to go. I went to, um, I went to go find your girlfriend and I couldn't find her, uh, or I, I haven't been able to find her yet. And he says, I didn't hire anybody to go find my girlfriend. Uh, she's been gone for two weeks and, you know, uh, but I, I would like you to find her. So easy gets more money from this guy to find Daphne because it's important for him as well. Even though he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem too like super interested in seeing her again. Doesn't really want to know where she is. Um, and, uh, so this, th there's a lot of this stuff that keeps happening in this where he finds leads. So at the McGee place, he finds these cigarettes that this one guy smokes that I, I'll never understand in movies. There's always that one signifier, like nobody else smokes these cigarettes. It's gotta yep. be this one guy. Uh, they go <laughs> to that guy and find out that he didn't kill McGee. He just brought him home and that, you know, he left the cigarettes behind, but he was also supposed to bring a letter to Coretta or Coretta was supposed to, it was supposed to go to Daphne. I can't remember what, where this, what this letter was supposed to do. Um, uh, once they want, and, and, and I hope I'm not like losing everybody. Cause this is a complex freaking plot. It really like is. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, there's a point where, because, because of all the things that happened at the McGee house, he finds out that Joppy had to have given his number to Daphne and he is upset now that he's in this, in this deep shit. And he goes to Joppy and he starts slamming his marble bar a bunch with a wrench or something, uh, and, uh, trying to get some information out of him. Um, uh, and I, I can't remember what, what does he do after that? Uh, the, uh, the, I think, I think Joppy. Okay. So this is why I'm jumping around. Joppy leads him to the other mayoral candidate. Todd Carter is the guy he leads him to that. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> Frank green ends up 
showing up at Easy Rollins' house, uh, and uh, he's going to kill this guy. But luckily, there's that there's that dude who goes around chopping down neighbors' <laughs> trees, who tells him there's a guy with a gun around the corner or whatever. I still don't know what the purpose of this guy who's cutting the trees down. I don't I don't know what that's all about. I don't, I don't know. know. It must um, be a, a character from the book that just held over to the film or something. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so he tell he's like, oh, there's a guy with a gun behind, behind the, the, behind the house. And then of course it's just enough so that he can get the, the upper hand a little bit on this. Luckily, uh, even though the, the table's turn and Frank Green's about to kill him, about to cut his neck, uh, easy's friend mouse shows up played by Don Cheadle and, and Don Cheadle is one of those, one of those friends you're glad to have on your side, but also he fucks everything up so yeah. much and you don't you and he's and psychologically imbalanced i would say uh as well uh you don't want to really associate with this person but you're glad that you're glad that he's on your side by the time it's over um mouse uh ends up turning the tables again and then they're going to ask frank green some questions but mouse can't resist except shoot frank green in the shoulder and Frank runs out of the house and they don't know anything about what's going on with Frank Green at that point. But he and Mouse start doing the investigation, so to speak. They end up uh they end up finally going back to this guy Dupre's house, who was the guy who was uh dating Coretta or his that was his uh, that was her boyfriend or whatever. They just call him like your man. They don't ever say, I don't think, if it's like a husband situation yeah it's yeah it's it either way that was they were the ones who were involved he uh they go to his place and then they find out that coretta kept a bible that had all the pictures and it has the letter in it and that's what that's what's going on and then he easy goes to talk to daphne about all of this and daphne reveals that her mom was creole but her dad was white and that frank green is her brother but it's a half brother so like it, her uh same mother but father was black mm. and the uh the one mayoral candidate who's got the increment who who uh uh touches children inappropriately has this kind of dirt on his on his uh, on his opponent that he's dating someone who's not completely white and this is 1948 la and that's enough to make somebody to make somebody uh leave a race a mayoral race mm -hmm. uh, uh, for, for something like that. So she reveals that. And as soon as she reveals that Tom Sizemore comes in and uh, beats him, uh, beats him, takes her, they're going to make him take the fall for her eventual murder. Uh, they take him out. They take her out to some sort of cabin. He mm -hmm. goes to find Joppy. Joppy knows where Joppy of course only knows one place. And that one place happens to be the place that they go to. Uh, it's someplace in Malibu, some cabin. They, so it's like he mouse and Joppy all go out to this cabin. Uh, Easy's going to go and confront all of them, try to shoot, try to mow all of them down before they can kill Daphne. And mouse says, says we got to kill Joppy. He's, he's too much of a, uh, of a liability. And he's like, don't kill him, man. Just, just can't just stay here with him and, and tie him down or whatever. And, uh, then there's a big shootout at the house. Mouse shows up, ends up doing most of the damage mm -hmm. um and they save they save daphne and then they come back they find out that 
mouse killed Joppy because that's what you do. And you know, when you're a psychopath, (laughs) um, and, uh, and so then the, the ultimate rub, they find out, they bring Daphne to Todd Carter, the other mayoral candidate. Um, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. He paid her 30 grand to leave his life forever so that he could continue with his political career. But she thought that if she brought him the other guys incriminating photos that she could get, he could get back in the race and it wouldn't matter whether or not she was interracial or what. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and it turns out it does matter. He, he can't, he can't deal with it. And he tells her to uh, pack and uh, go on her way. She ends up paying easy and uh, eventually of course, mouse some money for what they've done. And, uh, that's the sad state of things. It ends, it ends on a somewhat happy note. Uh, they, I think they didn't want to end it straight up on, this like really sour thing. So he's right. back at home playing, uh, his, was he, is they are they playing a game? I can't remember if they're playing a game or if they're just having a conversation with, uh, one of his neighbors or somebody like that at the end. And, uh, there's a, another little chase around with the guy who's cutting down trees. <laughs> uh, but the end the ending narration is basically like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a hopeful future, uh, for him that he's going to be, he's got his own house and he doesn't have to worry about any of this anymore. He's got money in his pocket, uh, so on and so forth. Although there is a dark underlining, I think to still to all of this, because race runs throughout all through this, all through this movie. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't know enough about this particular area that he's living in. I know at one point, they mention Compton, but I'm not sure if that's, he's in the Compton area, but they may be making some sort of like, well, this is a happy ending, but it's also got a dark side to it, mm. uh, by the end of it. So anyway, devil in a blue dress, it's very, it's got a very complex plot. A lot of characters who are sent to do things. Actually, I didn't even get to the fact that Joppy is the one who killed Coretta. He was supposed to, he was, he, Daphne sent, sent Joppy to intimidate Coretta and he ends up killing her. We don't ever, that's sort of like glossed over in this whole, yeah. this whole affair. Uh, so there's a lot of characters who are sent to do things and they are part of a different party or they didn't do as much as we think they did. Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Anyway, I was wondering what you thought of this. Movie. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I I realized when it started that I have seen the beginning of this movie, but I don't know if I ever saw the whole movie. But that that whole your man's in the other room, you're hitting my spot scene. I was like, I've mm. seen this before. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was classic detective noir kind of storytelling. Uh, usually that kind of storytelling tends to be complex deep-rooted mystery um i'm surprised how compact the film is time-wise given all it actually d- accomplishes and and by the way not to interrupt your flow i i have a feeling that this was cut down uh uh quite a bit just because that there is so much going on and i feel like there's maybe some scenes that would give you added context about things that they ended up just chopping to make this shorter anyway yeah yeah, I uh, the thing that stood out to me the most, and maybe this is not appropriate. Well, it's not inappropriate. Um, the set design and the costumes, like, there's so much period detail to soak in 
in this movie. It does not mm-hmm. feel like they just redressed some modern day Los Angeles streets. It feels yeah. like they somehow went back to a different era. Um, and I don't feel like movies put that much time and effort and money into those kind of details as much as this film did. The whole time I just kept my eyes kept popping out at all the things. It was really immersive. It felt like I was really back in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a moment when he goes to, I'm just going to go through my notes at random. There's a moment mm-hmm. when he goes uh, to the to the black only illegal uh, club mm-hmm. where he turns to somebody that works there and says, where are all the white women at? And yeah. I immediately went to Blazing Saddles <laughs> in my head even though <laughs> yeah it can't be a reference to blazing saddles because yeah set before that movie came out but i yep. just thought it was a, a very interesting two movies have that phrase with completely different like <laughs> yep. outcomes um when easy goes and talks to dupree and apologizes he says i'm sorry and dupree thinks he's talking about coretta being dead yeah and he's really saying i i slept with her uh, mm-hmm. I feel like he's apologizing for more than just that, but yeah. Dupree doesn't know that he's apologizing for that. I thought that was uh, very interesting. I wondered if it was ironic or poetic that Mouse's violence first approach is ultimately what helps save the day at the end. Um, yeah. If he stays in the car, as as Easy told him, then I think Easy dies. I don't. I mean, it almost requires Mouse showing up and and shooting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved seeing the Griffith, Griffith Observatory. Whenever I cite movies that show that place, I never thought mm-hmm. this one would be one of them. I had to Google to find out when it was built. It was built in like the 20s. Um, oh, wow. And then I, I do want to, I, I just have a question, and I don't want to be culturally insensitive, but Dupree gives them pigtails to eat. Mm-hmm. Do you take a tail off of living pig and it grows back, or do you have to? Does the pig's tail that you eat come from a slaughtered pig? I'm wondering how did how I'm many assuming, pigs die? I'm assuming a slaughtered slaughtered pig because there's even talk about pig feet in in this as well. Um, it just seems like a lot of, a lot of pigs would have to die to have like a big soup vat full of pig's tails. Could be, but yeah, I don't know. Tom Sizemore makes that mention of like how Daphne has a predilection. <laughs> and and the, I like this. I like that word because he's trying to be sensitive, but predilection towards black people. And Denzel Washington, there's a cut to him. I love this cut to him. He's like predilection, and he and he's not saying it in a critical way. He's just he's saying predilection. Like he's thinking of it. You know what's going through his head. Like this guy is fucking racist. And we see how we see how racist Tom Sizemore's character is by the end of this movie. But, um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, she, he says something like she has a, she has a thing for pig's feet and, and like jazz music or something like that. And that's like supposed to put her in this, this pigeonhole of some sort, but I'm assuming that's what the case is, but maybe people in the, uh, in the, in the chat. No, I would assume slaughtered pig because I don't, I don't know, know anything about pig's tails at all. It looks like that somebody, first of all, I'm glad that now slab has do pig's tails grow back in his search history. Uh, thanks to this show. <laughs> uh, but it looks like they're, they come from slaughtered pigs and mm-hmm. I just don't realize how many pigs are slaughtered on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, but yeah, no, I loved this movie. I will go back to it again. Uh, it's earned a place of esteem. Um, 
and I love a good detective story, man. Yeah, pretty unfairly uh, dumped into uh, September 1995. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think this movie is one that could have used a little bit more uh, love in the editing. And I'm not, I don't, I really, I don't know if I even can blame Carl Franklin for some of that. I mean, and I, and I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. I just think right. that this movie deserves to be two hours plus. Uh, and add some context to some things that because once this movie starts going into it's like once he takes her to mcgee's place and they find him dead it's like it shoots off like a rocket how much thing how many things happen in this each scene seems like it takes like three minutes and you get like a snippet of information and it's like all right off to that person and and then that person's like no i didn't do nothing and then they beat him up a little bit and then he's gone (laughs) and (laughs) um so uh but uh but yeah at an hour and 40 something minutes it's it seems like it's like oh this may be a little bit too quick there's like a lot of stuff they could have gone with but anyway uh i hope everybody else in the chat enjoyed this movie as well who ended up seeing it um but uh i am looking forward to what your double feature is for this one be very very quiet secret what secret a dirty little secret i tell you something i've never told anyone yeah, I bet you are. Um, I mean, if I wasn't so averse to the obvious, I would choose Chinatown. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't let myself choose something quite that obvious. I sat for days on the nice guys um, mm. because I really wanted that amateur learning on the job private investigator kind of feel there are parallels there there's a period la setting there's corruption government levels and looking for a missing girl but i think tonally that double feature would be like whiplash like you would (laughs) you have such a serious drama and then such a silly comedy um i couldn't do that so i'm going with la confidential yeah Um, which is for us you and i probably a super obvious um double feature but for the mm-hmm. masses not so much uh i think chinatown is much more well known than la confidential we have a similar almost the same era of an la setting you've got yeah. racist elements throughout there's a shootout at the end in the dark at a cabin you've got mm-hmm. government cor- corruption in the police and elected officials um and i just feel like it would be the the the, the difference here is you've got actual police investigating things as opposed to like a pi um Mm -hmm. but i didn't ultimately feel i felt more beholden to the the tone match than i did it being like an amateur private investigator i will i will tell you that patrick uh suggested uh big lebowski as a nice double feature (laughs) yep yep and i will confess i've seen that movie like one and a half times i don't have the knowledge to match it up um but a lot Some of people seem to agree. Decent parallels, but talk about whiplash in tone. Uh, you know, Big Lebowski would be that too. It's interesting too to to discuss the histories of both Devil in the Blue Dress and L.A. Confidential because the movie came out before L.A. Confidential, but there are moments in Devil in a Blue Dress that seem like in later they kind of cribbed in L.A. Confidential, like yeah. when. When when he sees McGee's dead body, he has this flashback to seeing him getting kicked out in the bar, and 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 L.A. Confidential did that quite a bit, um, 
and and a lot of the story elements are the same but like both the novels the walter mosley novel this is based on came out in 1990 and the james elroy la confidential novel came out in 1990 hmm. so there's nobody like exactly stealing from each other here it's just that i mean they just happen to be similar stories set in the same time they yeah. both got movies in the in the mid to late 90s and uh and as exactly what i was thinking uh watching this was la confidential it seemed like a very natural fit so well, good i'm glad that you, uh, i'm glad that you thought the same thing that makes me feel yep. good all uh, right so uh what is next week's homework jeremy next week's homework we go back to 1986 and rob reiner's mm -hmm. stand by me Ooh. um <clears throat> this is Ooh. um a drama um of somebody recounting an adventure that four friends had in their youth as they went to try and find the body of a missing boy from their town. This is based on a Stephen King novella. Um, mm -hmm. It uh, is on Showtime. Body? Yes, it's on Showtime and Paramount Plus right now. Um, and if you happen to have a premium subscription at Hulu or Amazon, um, that basically means it includes Showtime. Uh, you can see it there as well. Uh, I have not seen this movie start to finish in maybe 20 years. Um, wow. And I'm very excited to go back to it. I remember it being outstanding. So, Yeah, you got uh, a lot of people who um, I, I would say became stars. And then like of all of this, so you have Jerry O'Connell and you have Corey Feldman and obviously River Phoenix and will wheaton or the the four kids in this and all of them had at some point some super bright future uh, Corey yeah. feldman sort of grew out of his his teen idol phase after a while and he was and we didn't see Corey feldman that much after you know uh, after the 80s that much river phoenix of course tragically died will wheaton though went on to do you know star trek tng and uh has still has a cult following from that mm -hmm. Uh, and Jerry O'Connell, he's just been around forever. He's kind of yeah. like been the one mainstay out of all of that, uh, out of that group. So I'm looking forward to seeing this again. I, I probably saw this five, six, seven years ago. That was the last time I watched it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This will be fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right, let's do a couple questions before we bow out of here. All right. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. What are the best twin movies, a.k.a. movies, with the same or similar enough premise that were released relatively close to each other? Yeah, yeah this is this, this is hard sometimes because there's not usually it's not there's not um, usually the twin movies. Either they're both bad or one is bad. And so like, how do you find the, the, the perfect twin movie? But uh, I think in 2006, The Prestige and The Illusionist uh, came mm. out the same year, mm. and uh, you can't go wrong with those. Those aren't really twins, I would say. I don't know if they're, but they're both, I don't know. I guess they're enough twin. Uh, in They're both about magicians. They're both about, you know, uh, how, you know, how, how magicians do their tricks and, and the, the, uh, I don't know the the danger or whatever or the 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 trouble they can get in uh doing this doing these doing this magic but yeah those two came out in 2006 i think those are probably good twin i um <clears throat> i like that answer i remember i hadn't i didn't see um what's the fucking second one you just said 
not the prestige the but prestige the, and then the illusionist the illusionist i didn't see the illusionist for several years uh and when i watched it i expected it to be like bad but uh mm -hmm. it was quite entertaining and a little more somehow supernaturally than the prestige yeah um, yeah yeah <clears throat> I, uh, I'm going to go with, and I know that one of these doesn't have good reviews, but I liked it. I'm going to go with the, the two Truman Capote films, Capote and Infamous. Um, Capote starred yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Infamous starred Toby Jones. Do I have yeah. that right? Um, yeah. And they both cover the exact same period of Truman Capote's life when mm -hmm. he is having conversations and, sh and writing letters with uh, one of the prisoners that he would base in cold blood on. Um, and I think both of them give really good performances as Capote. Um, and it's unfortunate for Toby Jones's sake that, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman came first and is arguably a much better actor overall. So. I remember, I remember when Capote came out, it had all that, you know, huge fanfare because of Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance and all that. And then I remember sitting in a theater not too long after Capote came out and saw this infamous trailer and I was like, Oh my God, what is, what's going on? How did this happen? Um, uh, over in the chat, uh, we have some people who are some big illusionist fans. They might like, they might like it better than the prestige even. All right. Um, uh, Ed TV and Truman show. That's uh, DPW says Ed TV. It's a good one. I, I, I have never been, a huge fan of ed tv but i thought i thought ed tv is good so i yeah. mean um uh and then let's see what else do we have here dunkirk and darkest hour of course yeah excellent there it would be i i don't was there talk or did we just kind of talk or did just or was there a general internet conversation about making that one full movie like somebody just edited it together no, i think we talked about it on on the syncast i think we mused about and i think somebody has done it on youtube cutting the two movies together uh, oh yeah they, they do cover the same time period uh, mm -hmm. And I don't know if it would work. Uh, I like both of those movies a lot, though. It's definitely a good answer. Uh, Slab says Dread and the Raid. Uh, yeah, those are <laughs> uh, those are very twin twin movies. Uh, Josh says Liberty Stand Still and Phone Booth. Now I've never seen Liberty Stand Still, uh, but he says you can throw a lock in there. So I'm assuming that's uh, someone on a phone uh, or in a phone booth in Liberty Stand. Still. Liberty Stand Still sounds like the a. Uh, uh, rom-com about the president's daughter uh <laughs> like mandy moore <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it really does um what else do we got but ants and bugs life i i think i saw yep yep um, <clears throat> all right um best or favorite movie over three hours long go also picking the lord of the ring extended cut is cheating thank you for setting rules question maker yeah yeah <clears throat> uh um i'm gonna go with lawrence of arabia on this one uh when i first watched lawrence of arabia uh i was like oh that's that's good you know like you know as someone who's not like super well versed in movies the first time he watched lawrence of arabia i was like oh that's pretty good <laughs> and then later on watching it a couple more times you're like wow what a fucking movie this is yeah. Oh my God. What a fucking movie this is. And, um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Lawrence of Arabia on this. Um, that's obviously a great answer. I'm, I'm going to go with dances with wolves. Um, there are plenty of mm, three hour mm -hmm. plus movies that I love, but dances with wolves has some nostalgic hold on me, man. I need <clears throat> to revisit dances with wolves. Not because I'm 
I'm down on it or anything. It's just, I haven't seen it in forever and I've got it. So I need to watch this movie again. I really do. So, um, uh, looking <sighs> over in the chat slab says the right stuff, which is one I do love the right stuff. Quite oh yeah. Bit. Um, I, I love that movie. Castro says Babylon, uh, now talk about a movie I'm going to have to see again because I wasn't a big fan of Babylon. Mm. Um, uh, James says drive my car melted me. Yes. Drive mm -hmm. my car is a great one. Great, great movie. Um, and then Jagged says, I think my favorite is Avengers Endgame, but I need to see a list. I don't even know. Did that movie hit three hours? I God, I don't, I don't even Most remember have. that. I don't even remember that. And then, well, uh, it certainly didn't waste any time with Tony inventing time travel. That's not where the bloat is. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> and Patrick says Schindler's List. Yeah, yes. Schindler's List is, is a, an excellent one. Uh, Slab says uh, The Green Mile. Uh, Patrick also says The Godfather 2 is over three hours. Uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, some really good ones there. I really particularly like that right stuff answer. Yeah, I, that's yeah. a movie. That's one of those movies. There's so many that you don't have to really follow the plot of all the way through. You can pick that up in any part of the movie. You and sure can. And, it, and, it's, and, it, and it's great. So like, I, yeah, I really did. I really did. I like remember it. watching that movie when I was young. I think that came out when we were relatively young. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know the yeah, year that came out? 83. 83. So I was eight years old uh but at that point or shortly thereafter chuck yeager used to do like spark plug commercials yeah, um yeah. and i used to be amazed because i had seen the right stuff and i knew who chuck yeager was in context mm -hmm. of that and space flight in general and i was yeah. like that is like jesus on there if he likes those spark plugs they must be awesome like i was just yeah, amazed. i remember <laughs> those those were very ubiquitous commercials back in the they day were, Chuck Yates, the Simpsons yeah. even spoofed them um, yeah. <clears throat> all right i think that's probably gonna do it that's gonna do it for this week next week is stand by me looking forward to revisiting that one for sure that's rob reiner like just i mean he's he can't do any wrong in this period of time Mm -hmm. and uh so uh so looking forward to that uh thank you once again chat for coming out on twitch mm -hmm. and youtube uh giving us your comments you make us better and i'm very happy that you're that you're here to uh give us give us uh, your opinions and things so uh hopefully we'll see you next week so see you next time see you bye bye <laughs> part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Podcast all day long, roly roly, roly poly, poly. I'm I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this movie trivia thing before, but uh, I I asked everybody watching the question. So there's three actors in 1995 who have won five Oscars between them, and they were in three movies. Two of the three actors were in each movie. So name the, so performer one, 
acted with performer two, performer two acted with performer three, and performer one acted with performer three in three movies in 1995, and um, and asked them if they could come up with it. And Jets Mets had apparently heard me say the names of these people before uh, on a on a podcast, but could not come up with the movies that they were in. And um, everybody was kind of like like trying to guess it and trying to figure it out i thought it i thought for either a uh people would remember me saying this and it'd just be easy or like they just figure it out through some just internet osmosis of some sort but it had had, there wasn't really anybody who had the answers by the end of it and uh fascinating ended up up telling them but uh i'm bad uh, at ears but i figure it has to be denzel and gene hackman from that's Crimson Tide. two of them and then i'm not entirely sure i can pick the other movies or the other person was okay so wait was okay russell crowe uh, quick in the dead and virtuosity yeah there you go that's it <laughs> that's it i felt good that's a good way to start the podcast i mean yeah the, the outtakes yeah, so I was like, all right, well, one of these performers uh, won two Oscars before 1995. One of these performers won one before and one after, and the other one won their Oscar one at, uh, one after 1995. So, oh, man. Uh, so, so just kept on adding little things like that, and then by the end of it, I was like, all right, here's the answer, you know. And what did Russell Crowe win for? Was it Gladiator? His Gladiator. Uh, b- yeah. Believe it or not, it was Gladiator of all those, like, <laughs> he, like the most iconic performances he has are like A Beautiful Mind and, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, well, he was nominated for The Insider, but I thought he was great in The Insider too, but he He's didn't even get nominated for it. Didn't even get nominated for LA Confidential, but, uh, I, if you ask, if you ask the common person, like who, who what did he win for? i I don't know. A lot of people would probably pick Gladiator, just the regular common person off the street. But a beautiful mind is what I come up with when I think of Oscar winning yeah. performance. Yeah. So. I mean, even that Ron Howard boxing movie, he's better than he is in Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Gladiator is just what, you know, it's what it is. It's Gladiator. Yeah. I have a new mystery for us to solve. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> we solved the, the mystery. Well, Aaron solved. You guessed correctly, and then Aaron solved the mystery of the calories. Mm-hmm. Um, in my uh, lemon lime beverage, uh, and I have to give credit to the Nashville subreddit for this particular mystery because okay. I had I did not notice this myself, but ever since it has been told to me, I have been obsessed with it. Every single one of the new blue Tennessee license plates, the the main official ones, not any mm-hmm. of these you know animal nature plates or specific sports plate the blue new tennessee plate every single one of them has a b really i have not found one that doesn't in the last four days hmm. i've seen plates from several middle tennessee counties of course i see mostly my own county's plates uh but i'm now obsessed with it my i've got my wife looking out and she's obsessed with it and i have not seen one that doesn't have a b in it that's interesting. I'm wondering, I can't remember what mine is right off the bat. So I'm trying to figure out, is this like a regional code thing, maybe? It could like be. Middle, middle Tennessee has B's in every plate, but East Tennessee has R's in every plate. How do they settle on B? Uh, how It's just... Yeah. Does it, I actually joked. I said, well, our governor's name is Bill, so maybe he like secretly made sure there was a B for, his, for Bill on every yeah. single plate. 
Yeah, yeah. Because that does feel like the kind of thing a governor might do. My wife was originally obsessed with trying to spot which plates had In God We Trust over the Tennessee logo in the center because you mm -hmm. had a choice when you get your... Uh, and then I pointed out that the ones with numbers, um, ha the ones that start with numbers have In God We Trust in the center. The ones that start with letters don't. Hmm. And she was like, oh, it's going to be so much easier to spot now. <laughs> <laughs> I almost don't want to know the answer. I almost like this better as like an X-Files kind of thing, like this is some kind of conspiracy. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see if I can find anything. But I, I, I do think it's a little weird and, and worth asking questions about. Because I don't think they stamp these like the old way with the hard metal machines that like in when Krusty's in jail. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> There's a cat up to no, no good mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. He's going to mess with my Batman graphic novels. I shouldn't put them where. Hey. I think uh, I think I've probably given my cats complexes. Uh, I don't know. It, it you know some people some people spray water bottles at their cat when they're sure. doing stuff, and I'm not a big water bottle guy. But like every time my cats do something, I like I like smack my hands real hard, you know, and that gets them at attention. Yeah. And um, you know, and because especially when my brother like sold me his like. Uh, his l-shaped couch or whatever and they started wanting to like you know do their claws on it and everything and yeah. i was like every time they got anywhere near that i was like you know and they still occasionally forget and they get over there and do it but every time i'm right there ready to <laughs> and, um but because i have so many things they can scratch around the couches stop yep. scratching the couch yeah, um, i've given you i've given you tools for this you don't yeah. need to use my tools for, <laughs> right. for that